here and welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast. This is episode 45 for Thursday, January 10th, 2018. And in this episode, we chatted with American Rally Association Series Manager, Doug Shepard. As many of our listeners know, the ARA has now become the sanctioning body for most rallies in the U.S. as Rally America stepped back from sanctioning and focusing instead on rally media. We chatted with Doug about all the changes for 2019, including the expansion of new events, something called Super Regionals, and what other exciting bits we can look forward to for this new season. This is Open Paddock, the Rallycast. Well, welcome to the Open Paddock Rallycast, Doug Shepard. First of all, I'd like to say congratulations on the massive expansion for 2019. Uh, on this show, we've done our best not to take sides and try and just support all rally events, regardless of sanctioning bodies or whatever. However, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are pleased to have a unification of sorts and, of course, fewer licenses required to go rallying, uh, especially in that Midwest region. But, man, it, it's really nice to see so many rallies under one umbrella. You know, it really is. And it's, it was, let's call it a very pleasant surprise, almost like a Christmas present, when the first the Snowdrift Rally and then the others, Southern Ohio, Lake Superior, and so on, called us and said, hey, we think we want to join ARA for next year. Can you accommodate us? Obviously, that's been a rather rush expansion because you had announced your schedule um, nice and early for many people uh, back in October. And then all these events started coming on. Well, you know, it's good for the sport if we can get to where it only takes one license to run all the top rallies in the country. So, you know, from that perspective, it's a great thing that's going on. I'll have to say, though, that with the late edition of Snowdrift and then the others, you know, we've now gone from nine events counting a a couple of regionals to 16, and we lost another six weeks in preparation time with Snowdrift coming in in January instead of uh, 100-acre wood in March. And so it's been a scramble for all of us to try and get things squared away for 2019. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the thing I was I was going to raise with you because you know it seemed to me on the outside that uh, the 2019 schedule was ready to go and then well, there was all these mass defections. Let's call them mass defections from Rally America. But did it cause you sleepless nights trying to think, wondering how you were going to fit everything into the year? It must have been a bit of a strain on the uh, on the plans for for 2019. It really was a challenge, but, you know, the, the the way we look at it is we want to do what's best for all the people that are involved in the sport. And so if there's any way to accommodate these events, right, we're going to, we're going to do it. So as long as they're prepared to run to let's call it ARE standards for quality and an enjoyable event for the competitors, we're going to find a way to bring them in. Yeah, nine championship rounds now, so that adds Snowdrift, 100 Acre Wood, and LSPR, which were not on the calendars before. We have two what are called Super Regionals now, with 
Southern Ohio and Tour de Forest. Um, then five regionals. Um, I guess that counts one that was a month ago, uh, Nemaji, which Ian competed in. Can you explain a little bit what this super regional thing is? Well, we, yes. The super regional comes about because we have some events that are aspirational for being on the national championship, and they're run essentially to national championship standards, but for whatever reason, they don't fit the calendar well. And so what you do is is we, we created a super regional category to give them, let's call it a, a preeminent position in and amongst the regional rallies. Okay, so, uh, and along with that, I believe I, I was hearing that there's a bit of a change in how regionals are going to run with national events, right? It used to be each day was a different regional, uh, but that's changing a bit for 2019? Oh, yes. Um, we've had the goal to make sure that the standalone regionals are important for the East and the West Championship. And the only way to ensure that is to make is to set things up so that there's only one opportunity each weekend to score regional points. So the past practice where the national events would have a pair of regional events that were each half the distance has been eliminated. And now instead they have a longer regional rally. In most cases, it will be the same length as the national event and it'll it'll provide one opportunity that weekend to score points towards the regional championships i guess anything changing as far as uh, are, are, i guess our competitors going to see similar pricing to what they would have saw, seen if they just entered both days of a regional like they did before granted that changes event by event i understand that but yeah, well, you know, we'll start off by saying the, the organizers really choose right. the pricing that they have for their events. But, you know, from what I've seen coming down the pipeline, the fees that were typical last year for running all the regional events on the weekend would be pretty much the same as the fees they'll see this year for running the regional event that encompasses most, if not all, of the weekend. Excellent. And, you know, the, the regional change is really, it's not a, a problem for the competitors because they have, we have the restart after retirement rule, which ensures that anyone that has a problem in the first day can restart for the second day of the weekend. Is that for regionals only or is that, uh, or are they just going to run essentially like super rally is for uh, nationals with a time penalty? Yes. The, some people call it super rally, but um, the FIA term and the ARA term is restart after retirement. Gotcha. And that rule is the same for all ARA rallies. So if you have a, if you have an event with more than one leg and the leg being in essence, a full day's worth of rally. So we're saying, you know, a two-day rally, you have the opportunity to restart at the beginning of the second day if you've retired on the first, Excellent. nationals or regionals. I guess uh, the other question I was wondering is, you know, back with some of those events uh, that were under that under other umbrella, 
there were some other events, uh, uh, some of them actually a little uh, more successful that were on their calendar. Um, are there potentially more events coming on board that just haven't quite made the calendar yet that are being worked on? Well, you know, when this whole thing broke open, we sat down and said, we need a way to make sure that any new event that approaches us that we don't have a history with in ARA, uh, even if they're well-known, um, we, we want that event to provide a certain amount of information to us so that we can make sure that the type of event they're going to deliver will be in line with uh, standards called out in our general competition and rally competition rule books. So we have that in place, and it, it's a process that takes a bit of time for an organizer to go through. And so some of it happened pretty quickly for the events that are in the first half of the year, but there's some other events in the second half of the year that I, I really don't want to mention. Let's just say there are a couple more in process, and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to add them. We won't be increasing the length of the national championship calendar, but rather we would bring them in as regional or super regional events, whichever is appropriate. How are these, how is the transition going then for these events that are coming on board? I mean, they've um, been used to one, one way of doing things with Rally America. And now, now they're coming into, into your fold and, uh, is everything going smoothly with the uh, with these new with the new rallies for the calendar? As long as the rally's been running um, to high standards, com coming in should be fairly straightforward. There are a couple changes that are, let's say, different with ARA than what's been typical at a Rally America event. The, the most important being the role of the clerk of the course is. Um, key in an ARA event is a much more challenging position to fulfill, uh, very similar to the clerk of the course role in an FIA international rally. So moving away from talking about events, um, what I'd like to ask next is, are there any class changes uh, for 2019? Yes, there are. Um, there's really been one class change, and that is the addition of the cars that are accepted internationally in uh, RC2 at, into the ARA open class um, in the condition that they're homologated, right? So this is the RC2 cars include cars like the Focus R5 and the other European manufacturers R5 cars, some our four cars, which are similar, and then also what's known as NR4, which would be the uh, older Group N cars, the way they were homologated. And so we've added those, that category, with the hope that some international drivers will find it interesting to bring the same car that they use overseas here to the U.S. and enter in our event. And I guess we have kind of the first taste of that, looking at the snowdrift entry with uh, Barry McKenna appears to be bringing over his R5 
um, instead of using, I believe, the S2000 base turbo that he had before. Yeah, uh, the Barry's entered a R5 Fiesta, and I believe that's a 1.6 liter turbo with a 32 millimeter restrictor and something like a 2680 pound minimum weight. So it's it's not anywhere near as powerful as the, our open class allows, but it's a little bit lighter and it's a well-developed car and he should be quite competitive with it. Uh, one of the other rules uh that I saw announced, you know, at the end of last year, early this year was a progressive change um, that had to do with uh, turbo restrictors over time. Can you uh, explain the impetus for that change? Well, when you look at the at the speed of the of the absolute front running cars in our rallies, and you compare that to the field, one of the things that stands out is that the fastest drivers go down the stage roads thirty seconds a mile quicker than the guys at the very back. And that's just a huge speed difference. And then when you look at our rules and our boost limits, you, you can see where they're a little bit out of line with the rest of the world. In the FIA classes, the maximum boost that they allow would be approximately 22 PSI. And last year, in our open class, we had a 32 PSI limit which um, allow, and we allow larger displacement engines. And so the power potential is pretty high. And, and in many instances, our cars are uh, faster than what's common around the rest of the world. So going through a gradual reduction in the boost limits over two years to bring us in line with the boost limits in the rest of the world seemed like an appropriate step. What what I've what I've noticed you've uh, you've you've said a couple of times since we've been talking is like you've mentioned FIA several times, and we we're tr we're trying to bring American rally in line with the rest of the world. Then, well, I think that to help the stature of the sport grow in the United States, we need more international participation than we have at the moment. And one way to help that along is to make our events closer to the, what's common in the rest of the world. And as it stands, FIA regulates motorsport around the world and particularly rallies. So we do need to, to the extent possible, go in the direction of making the way we put our events on and the types of cars we accept be the same or similar to what's in common use around the rest of the world. One of our former guests, he messaged me wanting to ask you a specific question. He said, younger international drivers often go to the Latvian Rally Championship to start their career. An international driver who wants to get better on asphalt goes to the Italian Rally Championship. If an international driver that wants to get better on snow, they enter the Norwegian Rally Championship. Is there something to offer in the ARA for international drivers? 
Well, I think that what the ARA championship offers is a tremendous variety in the types of rallies and the types of stage roads we have across the country. And I think that, you know, the United States is, it's a 330 million person market. And so there's certainly lots of opportunities to think of ways to use motorsports and rallying in particular to promote an international brand or an international sponsor that would like some exposure here. So I think that's what we really offer as well as think of it as if you're running the same rallies somewhere else in the world all the time, eventually it gets to be a bit tiring other than the competition itself. And so why not come to the United States and run some rallies, see an entirely different competitive environment, and at the same time have a chance to see the United States and how we do things here. And of course, it works works with the development of the sport in another way. In that, if American American crews can compete against world class crews on a regular basis, that can only be good for their development. Seeing that that kind of uh, that kind of competition at every event that they turn up at. Oh, I agree. The tougher the competition is, the more it pushes the people here in the in our country to develop their skill levels, right? And I think with international drivers like David Higgins and Barry McKenna here, and there have been many others through the years, we it gives us a yardstick to judge our driving skills by and our team management skills by. And, I, and that's just very good for trying to get the teams here to perform at a higher level. One thing I also wanted to ask you is, you know, you've been a competitor uh, years ago, but, you know, you've you competed quite a while, been involved in organizing and, and uh, now uh, being the, um, the, the head of ARA in a perfect world where, you know, you didn't have to worry, but, you know, everybody could come in line without complaints, which I know will never happen. But I just kind of wanted to know, you know, kind of almost like a blank check question. What would your ideal championship look like? I think an ideal championship would be seven to ten events and a competitive field at every one of the events where you have your pick of four or five drivers that might win in the overall and in the top two-wheel drive class and let's call it what we call the limited four-wheel drive class i think that excitement of competitive fights would make for a very interesting championship and it would be fun to watch Good answer. I'm okay with that. Uh. <laughs> so, sounds good to me. As as long as I'm co-driving one of the uh, competitive cars, I, I'll be happy. You know, I might add that you know we talked we talked a little earlier about 
the variety in, in the country, right? And if you look at the stages, the way they vary, you know, you go you go out to New England, and you have these pretty darn quick roads in the middle of nowhere in the Maine and New Hampshire forests. They're gravel based. They're tricky to stay out of trouble on, and it's a great challenge. You go to Pennsylvania, and you have more along the lines of groomed forest roads and mature hardwood forests. And the course is very challenging. The speeds are high. There's, a, there's an awful lot of turns involved. It's almost continuous cornering in that rally. You go to a place like southern Ohio, and you have um, state, state forest groomed roads in the southern Ohio mountains down in a lower speed range, so it's a totally different challenge. You go out to Idaho, and Idaho had some of the twistiest roads I've ever seen. You know, basically only one and a quarter cars wide in places. The average speeds for the fastest competitors are down in the low 40 miles an hour. You go to Oregon, and Oregon, we have wide open spaces and roads that have generous width, but they're still winding in in a very hilly, if not mountainous area. The views from the for the spectators and for the competitors are fantastic. Washington forestry roads again, although these are more pines, and some of them can be quite narrow and rugged, and so. You know, as you go around the country, and I and I left out a couple of events, you know, Minnesota and Michigan, but they're different as well. And I think that variety that's in our national championship is part of what makes it very interesting because there's no one way to set up your car and be right for the championship. You need to adjust as you go through the series. I I can speak firsthand as being just you know. Uh, with my involvement with ARA and, and for the first time seeing those differences in the in the surfaces, in the locations, uh, the undulations of the roads. Um, yeah, you're right. There's every location is very different. Um, you, you know, some might say, well, they're just all gravel roads. Nope. <laughs> they're very, very different in how you have to attack them and, and how you'd set up your car and uh, to survive them and, and be competitive. So yeah, definitely a real challenge, and yeah, uh, I'm excited to see that much more uh, in in this new season. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, though, is ARA as a whole. Um, I'm happy to uh, hear that you guys have a presenting sponsor with Amsoil now, and I also noticed a bit of a staffing change. Um, you've got Jeremy Meyer on board, and uh, Matt Kalish's title slightly changed to communications director. So uh, you want to tell us a little bit uh, about the differences um, with how ARA is being run for 2019? Well, uh, we've made a few changes, and, you know, we're really just trying to get our get ourselves grounded because we've got an awful lot of rallies to put on this year, but you know, Kevin Miller has been doing a great job at trying to set us up for success. So he, he brought Jeremy Meyer in who's splitting his time between marketing for USAC and all, and marketing for ARA. And he's the kind of guy, he has a lot of experience in the field 
and he will do a great job with our series and contingency sponsors. And so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy to have him here. You know, Matt's been working the media and communications things, and so he's, he's going to keep doing that, and he does a great job of it. We still have our chief steward, J.B. Niday, and, and the crew of volunteer stewards. We added Mike Hurst last year as the technical director, and he's working with the technical committee. And then we retain the competition committee, which works with us on rules, suggestions, and such. And then the organizer committee is also quite active, and it's quite a bit larger these days because of all the events we've added. It's, it's, it's really a very busy time. And as we're going through that, one of the thing, changes we've made for this year is the ARA is going to be doing the event scoring rather than outside hired services. And we have a fellow working on finishing off the software so that we'll be able to run that program in, well, two weeks now at Snowdrift. And so uh, I'm confident it will be there. From what I've seen, it's going to be a good system and will meet all our needs. Uh, one thing that uh, in talking to uh, our, our last person we had on the podcast was uh, we talked to Texas Dave, and he's been really big on the inclusion of side-by-sides. Um, is there going to be a continued push to try and find a way to uh, get these vehicles in with the uh, rest of the competitive cars um, for uh, racing these new rally events? Side-by-sides are an exciting product line, and they have, you know, they seem purpose-built to be ready to rally as long as we get the right safety equipment additions. It's, and when you look at that market, it's just a whole different group of people than what we have currently in rally and we want to get them involved in the sport of rally so we've been working with the organizers and we're very close to being able to announce a side-by-side championship series for 2019 that will incorporate a half dozen or so of our national and regional events where the Courses are set up in a way that uh, side-by-side vehicles can be integrated into the competition uh, with uh, with respect to their inability to travel down some state and U.S. highways, as the rally cars often do. And, and that's the real reason we can't add them to all the all the events is because the operational challenges of setting up a course for side-by-sides to have to trailer from stage to stage is quite different than what we're used to. And the extra time involved in trailering just wouldn't work out well to fit in with the events. But if we went out to Idaho last year, the side-by-sides ran Integrated in the field, no problems at all, the way the event handled that. Tour de Forest integrated the side-by-sides in the field on 
Saturday, and then they had to do a little bit of trailering on Sunday, but no real problem. And so the potential's there. We've demonstrated how to do it. And where the organizers can, they will. So we expect, to, as I said earlier, we expect to announce a schedule in the next couple of weeks where we have approximately six events, counting for an ARA side-by-side championship, and we expect to have a series presenting sponsor for that as well. Wow. Yet another uh, presenting sponsor wanting to come on board. Always happy to hear that. Awesome. It's it's awesome. It's so much much being being told us tonight. This is great. So is there anything else? Are there any other exciting things that we should be aware of before the season kicks off at uh, Snowdrift in a couple of weeks? Well, you know, I think what we're starting to see here is that USAC can be very good for the sport of rallying. And one of, you know, they have tremendous experience in putting on motorsports events and, you know, it's not just sprint cars. It's not just quarter midgets and midgets and carts. There's, there's so much more. They, they sanction a, a large number of snowmobile races. They have off-road involvement with off-road series as well and some close course off, off-road racing. And through all of that, they have working relationships with a large number of motorsports-oriented sponsors. And so it becomes very easy for USAC to explain to those sponsors what rallying in the U.S. has to offer and get their involvement in rally motorsport here in the U.S. Is it safe to say that with the last couple of years of USAC you know, being associated with uh, ARA and and running rallies, that it's kind of opened up their eyes to this sport that normally is kind of unheard of in a a lot of uh, corners of uh, the motorsports world. And they're helping not only, you know, bring sponsors on board, but they're seeing for themselves the potential and the excitement of our sport. That's really true. Uh, Rallying is one of the coolest sports around just because of the fact we're out in a, a natural environment, not an artificial one. And it's man against the environment in, in the type of challenge that's out there. And when people see it, they really recognize what it is. We, they can relate to it. They, they're somewhat intimidated by it because, you, you know, rally cars go down roads that normal people go down at, 25 miles an hour we go down at 65 miles an hour and it's just you know it's kind of a shocking and interesting experience to come out and see that the 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 challenge in rallying because of the durability aspect is such that it's really a a tough motorsport to be successful at and motorsport sponsors I think they see that rallying is a totally different market than what you see at closed course racing or some of the other motorsports that are popular 
in the U.S. And I think that to the degree they want to broaden their exposure, they can see a role for rallying to help them do that. Well, I'm excited to see where this goes, uh, not just for 2019, but into the future. Uh, USAC has obviously stepped it up and uh, really helped us a lot. And uh, I'm really, really intrigued about uh, this new season and and beyond. Um, Congratulations again on what you've got coming. Um, (laughs) I think Ian uh, actually has put in here in the notes, um, is there such thing as uh, too much? Um, But I think you kind of gave us an idea what an optimal championship would look like. Um, I'm just really excited. Uh, It's great to see so much just all under one umbrella. And uh, good luck for 2019. I'll be seeing you at 100 Acre Wood, Doug. Thank you very much, Mike. We'll all be at 100 Acre Wood then. Oh, wait. Now I guess Ian's going to be there too. That's right. You're going to be competing there. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. Very excited about that one. (laughs) Well, it'll be my first time. I'm a 100 Acre Wood Virgin, so there we go. Uh, (laughs) All righty. Well, thanks again, Doug, and we will chat with you in the future. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Doug. And good night. Bye-bye. Well, that was awesome to have Doug Shepard on the show to uh, give us a little bit of background on the 2019 season for the American Rally Association Championship Series, presented by Amsoil. But the first event of the season actually took place in 2018, and Ian, you got to compete in that one. How was Namaji, man? Ah, Namaji was cold. That was, that was, that, wait, wait, hold on. Um, where was it out again? This was this was in this was in Minnesota, but this right, right. And was... what time of year? This is December. <laughs> right. But... Okay, so it's cold. <laughs> yeah, but this is the coldest it's been in the three years of that we've had the event. I mean, it was it, it was bitter out there. So it was nice to have a winter rally that was a winter rally, but you kind of like get a bit uh, a bit soft after a couple of, couple of years of like uh, not above average temperatures, let's say. So. But yeah, it was it was a it was a great day, a great day. It was great fun. I was running with uh, with Scott Parrott in the in our in our rally truck, and uh, of course, a two wheel drive rear wheel drive truck is not the best kind of vehicle to have on these uh, ice covered roads of uh, of Minnesota. That was uh, we had a couple of excursions into <laughs> the uh, into the um, into the undergrowth. But uh, we had a we had an, had an awesome time. That really, I mean, it's it's a well put on 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 event. You know, everybody is it's, it, because it become comes at, in December at the end of the year. You know, there's almost like a it's like like an end of year party atmosphere to it. You know, it's like because ev- everybody knows everybody, and there's a really a really relaxed sort of atmosphere there. So. How many you know, entries we, were there? Uh, there were sadly there were only like 10, 12, 12 entries, and one one car didn't actually start because their uh, safety equipment was expired. I forget who yes. that actually was, but uh, yeah, but you know, it's all the all the usual crew were there. Al Dantes and Brandon Snyder were there, and uh, and yeah, everybody who kind of like races in that uh, in the area was 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 there having a having a good time i mean uh it's 
there's also a great appreciation for the for the volunteers there. You know, it's like um, Mariana Usher now. Mariana Langosh has was was until she got married, just start of December. She used she and Nathan Usher, her husband now. They uh, they usually turn up and compete. But uh, I guess because they got married and probably went on honeymoon, the, they weren't able to come. So uh, Mariana, um, she baked cookies for the volunteers, and the, these awesome. are incredible. These are incredible cookies with the Namaji Winter Rally logo on them in frosting. And well, that's all, pretty darn clever. All all the volunteers got one. So I mean. That was that was just that's just one of the that's just one um one, one illustration of how everybody looks after the volunteers there. The vol- volunteers feel really appreciated and uh we've got to put out a huge a few huge vote of thanks to uh like uh Susie Little who uh who is the chair of the uh chairperson of the of the event and uh, all her volunteers who were there i mean there's a list of volunteers as long as your arm and i can't remember them all but uh yeah it was a great event and something that i really should mention is like when i got there got to the rally headquarters and uh, i turned got into the hall to register and the uh novice briefing was going on and the novice briefing was full there was 12 or 13 people there for the novice briefing wow that means there's new people competing in the sport that's very good to hear and they come to nimaji and they see everybody having a good time you're gonna come back aren't you i sure hope so definitely um let's see those entry counts uh keep increasing Mm -hmm. um speaking of entry counts um the next winter rally on the calendar of course is snowdrift as we mentioned earlier with uh doug shepherd and uh 31 entries of the last that I saw, but I, I expect that probably to even go up a little bit. Um, I'm sure there's a few people out there that maybe haven't put in their entry just yet or has a couple of things to fix up on the car. But, uh, yeah, that's that's a pretty good count, actually. Snowdrift, uh, you know, some people are saying, only 30 entries. Snowdrift, because it's a winter rally, it's, there's in some the people that don't want to do that, right? And, yeah. Uh, it is definitely cold out there, um, and actually, as you were saying, huge thanks to the volunteers for events like that. Because while you are, are bitter cold sitting in a uh, in your uh, race suit inside the truck with a heater, these people are standing out in the cold, <laughs> right? Yeah, and working sure. timing yeah. equipment and uh, trying to stay as warm as they can uh, without some sort of enclosed space. So, huge thanks to all the volunteers for events uh, like Namaji and for the upcoming snowdrift. Um, any last words uh, from you, Ian, before we sign off? No, not really. I mean, I need to go go back to the TV and uh, catch up with Dakar right now. I don't know, because Dakar is actually being run as we as we speak. So, uh, yeah, we've got, I've got lots of rally stuff to keep me going until, until I actually get in the co-driver's seat at 100 Acre Wood in March. So... But we'll, well be talking. We'll do a, we'll do a catch up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make we'll... sure that we get together and uh, we'll do a little bit of catch up of all the uh, stuff going on uh, before Monte Carlo Rally. That's going to be uh, not only a few weeks mm-hmm. away as well. Yep. So you got Dakar, you got Monte Carlo for the WRC kicking off, and all kinds of stuff. So uh, 
never a dull moment uh, with rallying. There's barely an off season, and here we yeah. go again. So always excited <laughs> for that. Yeah. That's right. Well, remember, everyone, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, uh, Google Podcasts, or search your favorite podcast app. We're also on popular social media platforms. And now uh, we offer our shows on YouTube, if you prefer to listen that way. And I just now signed us up for Podbean. So uh, you can also listen to us on Podbean. Again, please subscribe, tell a friend, give us a like and a share. I'm your host, Mike Shaw. Thanks for listening.